Roger that rolling in. Where the hell are you at now? I'm right behind you, basically. Now, Roger that. How long have you been skydiving for? 12 years. 12. 2008. It's like April 2008. How many jumps do you do in, in 12 years? Um, Just over 8,000. 8,500. 8,500. Mm. A fair bit. And you know what? I slowed down because when would it have been? 2012, I made the shift to go exclusively instructional. So prior to that, I was doing tandems. So I was working at a place where I was doing 25 a day. Like commercial tourist type stuff. Disney World, clip them, you know, yeah. plug and play. Like you clip them on, send them out the plane, come down, shake your hand. I'm Paul, you're jumping with me. Next one, next one, next yeah. one. 25 a day. 25, 25 a, a day. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was doing a lot. And then, you know, when I moved to AFF instruction, which is the initial stage training, like a busy day on AFF was eight. That was yeah, a right. busy That's a big day. difference. Yeah, well, because 25 times up in the plane. Mm, I'm down. Yeah. 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 Good. And that was a point where I was, you know, I was working seven or eight months in New Zealand. I was working, you know, four, five, six months overseas and just, you know, constantly like no winters, no problem. Yeah. It's good. Wow. It's good. What's the craziest thing you saw like up there? There's been, there's been some stuff uh, and there's been some bad stuff, but surreal. Uh, doing a tandem, took a fella. Um, he watched the video, he bought the camera option, um, he's like, he's seen everything. I suited him up, showed him what to do, got him on the plane, he sat on my lap and, um, we get to whatever it was, 13,000 feet, open the door. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm opening the door. He says, why are you doing that? He says, we're going skydiving. And he thought he booked a scenic flight. <laughs> Straight up thought he booked a scenic flight. Yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. Did he yeah. go? Yep. Yep. Absolute, absolute. Oh, 100%. the ball's on him. Nah, that's, I mean, like, there's been a few situations where they don't want to go. Yeah. But you're not, the worst part is landing with a plane. Like, to this day. Have you had people not go? I've had, I've come down with students because if the wind's too strong, like, you, you can't let them jump. So I've come down with students where we've been up, we've had, you know, radio from the ground, the wind's too strong, but never with a tandem. I've always gone with a tandem. You know, and they've not wanted to go. And it's like, once they're out there, they're fine. Because, you know, it's the it's the ultimate, the anticipation is worse than the event. Yep. They think it's going to go a certain way. It's actually going to go how it's going to go. They've no idea what it's going to be like. So, you know, it's um, you know, it's like when a kid don't want to taste the food. This is like the worst thing ever. They taste the food. They think, oh, it's actually not that bad. Once you get them out of the plane, they're fine. But the, the anticipation of getting out of the plane is just, it, it cripples people. It cripples ripples people and some of the like what the fear of being that high no you can't get a, you've no idea a height no. because to, to gauge height to get that you know that vertigo because I, I stand on a ladder i'm done but you need to be in contact with the ground and you need to be stationary whereas an aircraft you're not so you can look at the you can look at the window and you could be at fifteen thousand feet and say to someone how high with they'll say two thousand feet you just you, can't gauge you it. can't you've no idea you've no idea but it's just that it's that it's the unknown it's the unknown, you know, they just completely just freaks people out. And I remember I had a girl once, she was tiny, tiny little girl from Israel, probably 40 kgs. <clears throat> and as, as this, I was working in Canada, this was a big door, it's called a Twin Otter, big door aircraft. And we got into the door and she just went like a cartoon, like arms on the door and legs on the door and locked up. What? <laughs> like locked, locked. Like you couldn't get her out. You couldn't get her like out. A you cat. Like a cat, exactly like a cat. <laughs> and uh, so... 
And I remember I was, the cameraman was hanging outside the plane. I was like, cool. And turned around, said, right, we're going to sit down and turned around and just fell out backwards. And as we left the cameraman, because the cameraman normally leaves slightly before you. So he's looking up at you and their face and the plane. But this time he leaves slightly afterwards because I'm coming backwards. So he's looking down at her face, me and the ground. And like the, the shot was amazing because this face was just, just frozen. It was like, yeah. So, Ooh. yeah. But, you know, it was the game. How was the, how was filming the TV show? Brilliant. I really enjoyed the TV show. And it was, the reason I did, it was so aligned with what I was teaching at the time. And this was exclusively down to the the director, the guy that commissioned the show and the, or the, the guy that put the show together and was directing it. Um, I met him probably 18 months before we started filming. He come in and he did a, we had a chat and then he did a taster and he'd done some work on some pretty good stuff. And he wanted to film this coming of age slash leadership. Um, just these trials and tribulations of these kids. And that's what I was teaching. I wasn't teaching skydiving. Um, I was teaching human nature and leadership and we just, we just fit really, really well. So, um, you know, that was a... You had some characters, eh? Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. And you know what? That's, that is, it's every single course. It was four courses a year and I put through, I think I put through 18 courses. I was there from 2015 and you did four courses a year, January, April, July and October. And the same split of personalities was on every single course. I always said like, you never taught more than three people. You'd have, you know, if you want to call it top, medium, bottom, whatever you want to call it. And then everyone, there'd be this sliding scale. So each person you could kind of divide into five. So you never, ever, ever met more than 15 different types. And it was the same, you know, it's like, it's like when it, you know, when you see a sports movie or you see a, you see a you know, high school movie and there's a jock and there's a goth and an emo and you know, so and so forth. <laughs> what, what, was was, like what was the type? Every course you're like, oh no, it's that guy. The one who was wanting attention. The one who was, whose driving force was to be significant. There was the, that was the most dangerous person you were ever going to deal with because they would do anything. It was just me, 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 me. It was anything for people to notice on anything. And the ones that were the best valued growth and contribution. The ones that wanted to be better and help the team were the best people that I've, that I've ever met in my life. Are you happy to be not doing it anymore? I'm happy to, I'm happy to, I loved it. I loved it. Um, but it was time to move on. It was time to move on. And what I learned from that is making me better at CrossFit. It's making me a, a better leader in the box. It's making me a better friend. It's making me a better parent. It's making me a better husband. Like everything I did from that. But it was time for me to move on. Yeah, hundred percent. It must be like it must be big for Beck and the boys to know that Dad's coming home, because you know, like I mean, twelve thousand, I mean, eight thousand jumps over yeah. twelve years. You yeah. know, you get pretty used to it, but it's got to be like a worry in the back of your head sometimes. And though. especially with the student stuff, the stuff what I was doing was the stuff <coughs> where, you know, when someone when someone had a mishap in the end, it was spinning out of control, and you had to stop them. I mean, you know, I remember taking like a total of three kicks in the head during my time that were like that rocked me that that rocked me and i'd never say anything to bet when i got home but were, were like legitimately what I, like you didn't know whether you were going to get down safely oh the point where i'm like 
I'm close to being knocked out on this. Whoa. Because they're spinning with such velocity and you've got to go in and time that getting, but you can't, you can't wait forever. It's kind of like the good plan executing now is better than the perfect plan executing in two minutes or you wait two minutes and then the ground's going to stop yeah. them. So you've got to get in and then take it, like you're taking a hit of just this incredible speed from someone's foot in your head. And all you've got is a little carbon fiber helmet on. It's going to do nothing. So um, I remember getting three of them that legitimately were like, oh, wow. Like that no, slightly an, an, an inch this way. And yeah, I'm done. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. So look, that's a, that's a big relief to not be able to do that anymore. And, and we'd always, or I'd always said, I didn't want to influence the boys' choice as they grew up and they saw me doing that and doing that. They were more likely to want to do that. And, which is fine if they ever want to do it, I'll support them and I'll find the best teacher for them. But the kids that I've seen growing up around skydiving, with the exception of two, the kids that I've seen growing up, and these were brothers around skydiving, um, it's all they have. That's all they know. They know drop zone life and that's it. And it's not transferable to another uh, avenue because, and this is the because, people think it's going to last forever. It's just Neverland. You know, the amount of Peter Pan's involved are phenomenal. People think it's going to last forever and it doesn't. And the longer you do it for with that approach, the less good you get at doing anything else. Can you get rich? Can you get... No, no way. You no, if you, I, mean, I think... Can look, you make a million bucks a year skydiving? No. Yeah. If, I think if you own a drop zone, but still, like, still there's a you know it's a hard game but no i mean you're doing it for the lifestyle yeah. you can make a lot of money especially now with gopros where tandem masters are putting gopros on the hand so you know you've gone from getting 70 80 jumps bucks a jump to you know almost like maybe like 180 200 bucks a jump so you know they do you know i was working at a place oh, where what I, it becomes about the footage does it well it means so it's all about weight on the plane so you know, before the GoPros, if you wanted video of your jump, then someone would have to come out and film it. So that's another body on the plane that you have to pay for. So if the if the tandem master can take up a camera on his hand, then you can fit more oh, tandems on the yeah. plane, so on and so, so forth. So it's like an add-on. It's like yep. an add-on. Yeah. And it's it's not a lot of work. It's up. It's work. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a lot of work for him. So he gets a nice chunk of you know what the the price was. So you know if he's doing. 150 200 bucks a jump and you know i was working in a place with 25 tandems a day i was doing you just do the math on yeah. that you know but you know pe people are constantly chasing that yeah. and then you go for a month and the if, if it's raining for a month you're not working yeah true so you know swings yeah. and roundabouts it's life you are if you own a crossfit box yeah no i'm working there yeah, 24 7 yeah yeah and you know that for me now this this chapter that i'm in now is it's the happiest i've ever been in my life genuinely how long were you doing crossfit for before you opened the box about three years where we had a very good setup um in our garage we had we basically had like a, a you know a garage affiliate and we were doing that we were doing some training at a gym in town and um and it just evolved and then the, the way it finally came about we went to the uk a girl that i used to train when i was 20 when i had a you know PT business in Manchester. I used to train this girl. She was a really, really good friend. And um, she'd been made redundant from this high-flying job and she'd bought the CrossFit box she was training at. She'd gone through this complete shift and we went in there and we were just like, wow. 
we've got to do this. So we came back to New Zealand, found a place, bought some kit, trained some folks, and that was it. Made it happen. Made it happen, yeah, 100%. So. Why did you call it 0435? Like, where did that um, come from? Yeah, so one of the processes you've got to do, when you when you get your CrossFit affiliate, you've got to, you know, you pay your money and you've got to go through quite a few kind of things. But one of the things, you've got to submit a name and that name cannot be similar to any other name. Um, I think now they've outlawed place names, so you can't name it after a city or anything like that. So we went through about maybe five attempts of what we wanted and they just kept getting bounced back. So was thinking, right, what's going to be unique? So we started thinking numbers. Now, over this course of time, there was a group of us that were kind of linking up on the socials, waking up early. And this all stemmed from like the original, you know, conception of the Jocko podcast and, you know, guys getting up early and doing stuff. But we were posting our workout times and our workouts. And as a group of us, it was all, all up on Twitter. And it was really early. So I was like, why don't we put this time down? But it, at this point, it was like, 3.40 we were getting up. Becky said, we're not doing that, that's stupid. 3.40? Yeah, 3.40. And Becky was like, that's ridiculous, You're not, we're not using that. So we kind of thought, right, a time sounds good and we put a layer of the boys' birthdays in it. So Thea was born 4th of July. So that's where the four's from and, and Jackson was 25th of October, 25th of the 10th, we plus that together, 0435. No, no, no one had it, we got it, good. And that was it. Easy. Yeah, so there's, it's good in terms of like, we're up, we're up before the sun, we're up when the work needs to be done and it's got that layers of the boys in there. So, yeah. Do you know what I was thinking the other day? Um, the kids, like the kids coming up. Yeah, everyone who's done well at the CrossFit Games over the last like five years is when it's really sort of come into its own. They've only been doing CrossFit five years-ish. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've got kids at the box who are like four, five, yeah. six. Imagine what they're going to be like when they're 25. Jackson's in class now, he's three. Um and like you just said there, I mean, most people that, are, that do CrossFit at a very good level have come from another sport, weightlifting, gymnastics, swimming, baseball, rich running, you know, whatever. They've come from a different sport. We're yet to see, or we are now starting to see kids that have been doing CrossFit as long as they have been alive. You know, the parents own a box, you know, because now we start to see these 10-year affiliates crop up, more and more 10-year affiliates. So someone who's had an affiliate for 11 or 12 years whose kid was born there, that's all they know. So you're starting to see this, you know, they, they're, they're completely indoctrinated into not just the the what you see as CrossFit, but everything that goes on in the background that people don't get. When you start to talk about the cult, you know, it's what people don't get, the community and the vibe. And yeah. They're in that constantly. And the sort of people who do it too, like, you know, these kids are growing up in good hands, eh? yeah. around good people who yeah. have the same values. And, yeah. and when, I, when I did the, the CrossFit Kids course, hands down, best course I've ever done. Like, and, it was, and it was taught, I was really lucky, it was taught by the guy who'd created it. Um, the level of detail these guys were throwing out was just mind-blowing. Like It was jaw-dropping the level that these guys had taken this to, you know? And, you know, we just stand by that kind of basic philosophy as if we can get, if we can get our kids with a million reps of air squats before we even load them. Can you imagine how good they're going to be? Imagine how yeah, the people mechanics like are going to be. Like I've talked to people about kids doing CrossFit before and for someone who doesn't do it and yeah. you say, you know, we've got five, six-year-olds doing CrossFit, they go, yeah, the, the, really? the air suck, yeah. 
And it's just that beep, 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 them alarm bells of, I've watched the CrossFit Games. Yeah, because they think their kids, like, they think young kids doing <laughs> Olympic lifts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not the That's case. not it. Not the case. I mean, with the early kids, with the four to seven-year-olds, we, um, the best way to imagine it is you're trying, to, you're trying to do with exercise what you do with vegetables. You're trying to sneak vegetables into the food. You're trying to sneak exercise into fun. They don't know they're doing it. So now I, you know, and the, let's say we've got 10 kids in that class. And most of them go to the same school where, I, where Theo goes. So I drop Theo off at school and I can shout across the playground to, to one of them, give me 10 burpees. And the dude just drops and gives 10 burpees because he loves it. He loves it. You know, it's not a chore for him. Imagine saying that to an adult, you know, <laughs> it's not happening. So, you know, the, it's, it's really exciting. And then our teens class is super busy now and the teens, you know, the teens are crushing it and they want more. Um, they want to do more. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's awesome. a really, really good time. Really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, really good time. Episode one, we're going to talk about goal setting. Yeah. Uh, something that comes up for us, um, for me in business, um, for you in the CrossFit and skydiving scenario yeah. all the time. All, uh, daily. daily. Daily, right? Yeah. Um, and the way we're going to structure these podcasts is we're basically going to take um, questions we've been asked both online and in our own experience yeah. um, and we're going to go through them um, I'm going to ask them you're going to share knowledge and we're just going to have decent discussion yeah. that hopefully is going to help people and um, that's the aim and if, if you kind of said like what do you want out of this I'd say like this database because the amount of conversations all you're doing is changing the subject matter you know, is it CrossFit? Is it nutrition? Is it skydiving? Is it life? Is it financial? Is it relationships? You just change the subject matter and it's the same message. So, you know, someone says, what about fill in the blank? Say episode 13, go check it out. You know, so it's just these little actionable things that you can do for problems that we all deal with every single day. 100%. So, And goal setting is everything. Like it, And it can be anything. It can be I'm buying a house. It can be I want to lose weight. Mm. It can be, I want to do more travel. Yeah, I want to like, change It's applicable jobs. to yeah, anything, right? Anything, yeah. So some of the questions, um, we've had some great questions through. Yeah. Um, probably the first one is around actually setting the goal itself. Yeah. Um, I have so many things I want to achieve, but I feel like I have trouble seeing things through that I get started. How do I set a goal that I'm actually going to be able to achieve? You've got to set a goal you actually want to achieve. Which sounds, you know, I'm like, you're just going to repeat that. But um, the the problem, and I'm going to start this one with a problem, the thing that I see so many times, and I'm going to relate this one specifically to health, um, it's generally appearance-based. So it's generally an appearance-based goal that someone's trying to set on this. They set it based on the fact they're going to execute flawlessly. So they will create this goal that is just... I'm going to do whatever it is like that. And the problem is that's cool, but they don't care about the actual goal because there's no passion linked to that goal. They've just created it for the sake of it. So one of the things that I kind of say to people is if someone comes up to me and says, you know, I want to join, join a box and say, cool, like why? Well, I want to lose 10 kgs. Why? Why, 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 why? And drilling down on that to actually find out like what's going to make you do this when everything's against you. They've got to be passionate about it. There's got to be something in there. I think the easiest cop-out is uh, I want to be around for me kids. It's like, well, yeah, that's great. That's really, really good. But you can tell people are just pulling that out because it seems like the thing to say. 
they've got to be passionate about that goal. And you know what? You can't pull that out of a bucket of 10 goals. It's got to be personal to you. Yeah, but people drive themselves crazy with so many things they want to achieve, eh? So how do you, like, how do you help people to still that down into, like, to the things that are most important? It's got to get to a point where it gets a little bit awkward. Like, you've got to keep, you've got to relentlessly ask why. Like, relentlessly ask why. Um, because then you're going to get, you're going to get deep into quite a few things, which is, this is probably not the first role you've had of these dice. You know, you're going to start to get into that particular field. But I would, I would need to know why this thing is so important to you. It's so important to you. You know, I started the box because I wanted to affect change on a bigger level than I was doing, and I knew I could do it. And that's what I learned in skydiving. The ten guys that have come through four times a year, I was affecting their lives positively. I was helping make them better people. I wanted to do that on a bigger scale. I wanted to do that daily with people that were coming through, and I knew I could. CrossFit was just a good vehicle. Question two. So um, next one is pretty much tied to, like in my view, timeline and roadmap. Um, once I've set a goal, I feel like I get overwhelmed and the wheels fall off. What are some things I can do to help me stay on track? Mm. Um, so kind of jump back to you've found this goal and it's this goal that you're passionate about, whatever that may be. You've got to be brutally honest with the time frame. And let's just say, let's say it's a job and you, you, you will, will definitely come across this kind of thing. Someone's not happy in the work and they want to change employment, whatever it is. When is that acceptable? Like, is the skill set that you have at the minute good enough to get you in a better position or do you need to stick it out for three months, four months, six months, 12 months? It's all right saying, I'm going to have all this courage and quit my job and find a new job. That's great. But are you better served staying in this? That's where your timeline comes from. Like, that's where the time frame comes from, as opposed to just thinking, oh, yeah, this is the goal. And let's just see when it happens. Being so vague on that goal is, is it's dangerous. There's got to be some actual time frame in there. Time frame's got to be realistic. You must see that. You must see that in business. Yeah, with. I think when I, if I in a business scenario, um, I'm always challenging people on mastering their role. You know, like when people want to move on and do something else, my first question is: one, is what you're doing now making you really happy and making you feel fulfilled? Um, question two: what is it about this new thing you want to do? that makes you think you're going to get that is it that you think you're going to get paid more or are you looking at it going this thing is you know is a life-changing thing and then three is the most important one are you the best that you can be at the thing you're doing right now Check. like have yeah. you mastered yeah. your role um and the people who have mastered their role you get to a point where you're you're the one who's telling them to move on to something else or something comes up mm. and you're saying right now you are ready, you know? I think with timeline, I'm going to look at this from a, a CrossFit perspective. I think with timeline, people do one of two things. They either set this unbelievably short time frame that's absolutely unrealistic, which in itself is a, point of, a single point of failure. 
you know, I'm going to do what will on paper take me six months. I'm going to try and do it in a month. And it's like, oh, it's a big problem. Or they're so vague with the time that they just kind of, oh, we'll see when it happens. Like there's no, there's no legitimate, I don't like using that term accountability, but there's no legitimate responsibility for that time frame. So it needs to be an honest thing of what you're aiming to do. What is a reasonable amount of time to get that done in? Reasonable amount of time. Now, if that reasonable amount of time is six months, I guarantee you could do it in five. I guarantee you could do it in five. That's then that little point of necessity. That's that thing that's going to be right. We've escalated things a little bit. I've made this timeline. This is what I've got to, this is the point I've got to see it through. By. Yeah, but it's got to be an achievable Got to be achievable. Timeline, got to be achievable. Yeah. Really has to be. Um, and I think you can kind of historically look at how many times have you failed? If you failed something constantly in the first couple of weeks, you generally should set in a time frame that's just crazy unrealistic. So if someone's saying they're getting overwhelmed and the wheels are falling off, then they're probably not setting the right timeline. Eh? Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, um, like an unachievable timeline, completely unachievable timeline. And if they do get the timeline right, what's the roadmap like? And we talk about roadmap in CrossFit constantly. It's how are you going to get to where you're going? You know, and we've got a small box with six people in a class. And with that one workout, I might be giving three different roadmaps to people. I might be saying, you should, uh, you should challenge this like X, Y, Z. You should do your pull-ups in fives. You should do your pull-ups in 15s. You should do your burpees in whatever it is. You should redline at this point. Everyone's got a different way around that. So once you've got the timeline drilled down, you need to be really serious about what's your roadmap for getting there. So are there some tips you can give people for setting that roadmap, yeah. whether it be CrossFit, nutrition, career, yeah. financial, like is, is there any theme across all of those things that, that can help? I reckon historical points of failure. So look at what you've done in the past. Look at what you've done and find out where have your stumbling blocks been in the past? Where's the, where's the part that you always fall short? So let's say you, you, you know, you're doing a, you want to do an extra assignment at uni and you're saying, right, I'm going to commit to doing two hours every evening. But every evening is I'm putting the kids to bed. I'm doing this, that and that. And you actually don't have that. So by the end of the week, there's eight hours, 10 hours of work that you've not done. Whereas if you can get up in the morning earlier and do that work, you will get that work done. But look at where that historical failure point is. Look at the things that you constantly struggle with and stumble with you need to understand that's a real thing. Like the threat is real in that thing. So don't, don't think you're suddenly going to change it. This is so perfect. Leads so well into question three obstacles. So my life gets so hectic with kids and work and actually living. I find I turn myself from very positive to very negative very quickly. As soon as I hit a roadblock, yeah. am I being too hard on myself or am I letting myself get off too easy? Get off too easy. 100% get off too easy. So, um, Do you mean making excuses? Yeah, yeah. So you can you can always dial this back a level. So like if you're having a, let's just say this is a three or four step process where you've identified the goal and you're passionate about the goal. You've identified the timeline and they're in the roadmap or some people the roadmap, they're in the timeline. And then you've identified that you, you choke points. You know, where are the real choke points on it? So you dial it back where, right, let's make sure that this timeline is good, that that's not going to be the reason you're getting overwhelmed. And let's say we've got that drilled down and it is purely, 
once I get a, an issue, once I get a roadblock, it's just absolute meltdown. You've got to factor these things into the journey. You've got to factor these things into how you are going to get to that particular point because these things happen. And there's no good saying they're not just because you're really passionate about this goal. It's never going to run perfectly. I mean, I say that about skydiving. 8,000 jumps, not one went to plan. Not one went to plan. That's not to say they were all catastrophic. Yeah. That's to say that this was the idea going out, but that idea has to evolve real time, real time. And you've got to be okay with that. If you, you know, if you, if Tuesday at 7 p.m. is when you work out or, you know, if you do that on a Tuesday and you're coming home and there's a crash on the bridge and you can't get, cool. But there's no reason to go home and break out the chocolate and break out the wine and break out the Doritos. There's no need to do that. Wipe your mouth, move on. <laughs> These are just roadblocks. That's all they are. Yeah. And you can't. You, you can't look at this thing like you can't put all your eggs in this one basket. You can't look at this thing like it's do or die. Like there are stumbling blocks. You are going to get injuries. You are going to get problems. You are going to get financial. You're going to get a bill for your car, which means that you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage off as quick. It doesn't mean you just give up and just throw the baby off with the bathwater. Eh? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? So I think this all comes down to emotional involvement. So if you were, if it wasn't you, this was happening to, and it was your friend, what would you tell them? And the advice would be pretty spot on. Like this is not, we're not talking about groundbreaking stuff. This is regular stuff that you actually know. But when you're emotionally involved in that problem, then it's a problem. You can't look at it objectively. You can't look at it black and white. It's a big issue. I mean, you'll see that in business. How many, how many business owners have you seen that have just thrown good money after bad? Because they won't give up on this. They won't let this one thing slide and move on to the next Well, thing. I think what I've seen with um, entrepreneurs is they get so emotionally invested in their idea um, and they don't fail fast enough. That whole fail fast, it's super important, especially in business. Um, and so the ego steps in yeah. um, and they keep investing, keep throwing money into it, when they know and the people in the business know that it's not working and it's time to move on, but they can't suck it up and say, hey, do you know what? This isn't working. Like, let's try something else. One of the things that, that you'll see if you, if you watch any TV, if you, um, you see him Gordon Ramsay things comes in where he goes into a, he goes into a kitchen and he, you know, restaurant and he changes the whole thing. And the restaurant's been failing catastrophically and he comes in and he says you need to do this this and this and as a viewer you're watching this thinking yep that's that's what they need to do and the owner says there's a bit of a pause and they say yeah no but and you know at that point in time this dude's this well, do you know that do you know what's worse is when they make all the changes the thing starts making money Gordon goes and then you know at the end they have a follow-up yep. they say we came back six months later and the chef changed back the whole menu and the owner went back to their own ways and now the thing's losing money again mm -hmm. and you just go just take me out and shoot me I reckon that I'd always have this thing I'd say like what if you were being filmed what if you're being filmed what if you were the star on reality tv show and not one that you could make up like Instagram, not one that you could actually fake and fudge and just put, oh, look how good I'm doing and, you know, underneath, it's just hectic. What if everything you were doing was being filmed? Like, would you make a different decision? Would you make a better decision? 
And if you were then directing that, looking at this from the outside, if you were directing that and saying, no, do this, do this, do this, your choices will be so much better because you would not be overly emotionally invested. There has to be an emotional tie in what you're doing. You have to care about what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to do it. If you're doing a long-term goal, something that may involve losing 50 kilos or starting your own business or going back to school, whatever it is, you have to be emotionally invested in that. But you need to understand that you are going to be your own worst enemy. Like your emotion is going to stop and derail that at some point in time. You've got to factor that in. And you've got to have some type of strategy that says, when this is happening, red flag, turn off. Like advise yourself, become your own director. Advise yourself before you start going down these rabbit holes. It's a, you know, it's a real, like, what do I do as a coach all the time? You know, someone's, someone's redlining five minutes into a 30 minute workout. I'm like, bro, dial back, dial back, dial back. You, you need to coach yourself. You need to be honest with that and disciplined with that. Need to be. It won't just happen by chance because if it would, it would have already happened. But this is the reason that we 30, 40, 50, repeating the same cycles. Self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be. But it comes with experience. Yeah, it does. But you can shortcut it. You can shortcut it, I think. I don't think just, you know, that, that kind of school of hard knocks and learning the hard way, like, mm, you've, you've got to look at historical examples, you know, not just of other people, but of yourself. And don't just, don't just pigeonhole what your goals are. Health, business, relationship, finance. Like, they're the same things. The reason you the, the reason that you don't achieve your goal at fitness is probably the same you don't achieve your, your goal at relationship. It's probably the same thing. It's probably the same thing. So look at the look at where those stumbling blocks have been. Factor them in. But don't don't believe your own BS. Don't get caught up in your own don't get caught up in your own wheel of, you know, oh, this is just what I do. You know, I just eat chocolate every day. This is what I do. It's like you, you're gonna have to tell yourself a different story. If you're gonna do it, do it. Don't bitch about not doing it. You know, if you do it, you've got to be all in for doing it. You've got to be fully committed to do that. And that, that, that's when it gets tough. You've got to have that discipline that says, I know this is going to get difficult, but I'm going to enjoy it. Why does the grind have to be unenjoyable? Like find the grind, enjoy it. It can be, it can be good. Some awesome videos on YouTube people can watch. Jocko Willink, yep. of course, tons of stuff on goal setting. Uh, I found a guy... His name's Matt Devella. Um, he is a minimalist. He made that movie on Netflix, Minimalists, mm. um, and he's got loads of stuff on his um, on his YouTube about goal setting and and he does all sorts of stuff. Like he does, um, he'll do things like thirty days of cold showers, and he'll do I like a self experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. do no technology for three months, and he'll do counting every calorie for you know, 30 days and that sort of stuff. And sometimes he fails really badly. And it's really, it's interesting to see um, how he deals with that and his commentary around that. So that's definitely nice. something that's that worth that checking people out. should check out too. Um, business plan. Uh, if, if you treated yourself, whatever it is you were doing as a business plan, I think there would be a much better way of viewing things. You know, if, if, you guys are going to branch out and open a, you know, open a different facility. You're going to do all your due diligence. You're going to look at where the risk points are. You're going to look at everything that could possibly go wrong with it and plan contingency and that kind of thing. You're not just going to 
hope that it goes okay and that the market stays real, real good. You're going to plan for these things. So why do we not do that when it comes to everything else that we're doing? I mean, why do we not? As we're just too soft on ourselves. Like are people too soft on themselves when I, it comes to, oh, it's, I'll start on Monday or yeah, I'll do Worst this statement ever. Or, worst yeah. statement ever. Worst. And you know, one of the things that kind of shocks me so much is that, look, I know like we train early, you know, our first class is 4.30. It's our big, biggest. It's, it's our, a stupid time to start. It is. What a stupid time to do exercise in the morning. But what an awesome time to do exercise <laughs> in the morning. I mean, you're there five days a week. You're there every day at 4.30. Do you know what? The reason we do that is because if we didn't do it, we'd never do it. Like yeah. we'd never, we'd never find time to no, get it wouldn't. in. And that's the beautiful thing about getting up early, getting it done, coming home, getting the kids ready for school, going to work. And then it's that discipline equals freedom. Yep. When you get home from work, you finish your day, you can just relax, spend time with the missus. Is your is. day better if you miss that and get an extra hour in bed or is your day worse? If I miss it, the day is never as good. <laughs> it's never as good. And you know what, you know what kind of, it horrifies me to this to still when you say to someone, you know, they say, what time do you get up? And you say, I get up like 3.30. And it's just, it's just like, oh. it's another it's like, ear so. Yeah, like when did we get so soft that getting up at 3.30 in the morning is an impossible task? When someone comes back and they say, I get up at 3.30, I could never do that. It's getting up early. That's it. That's all it is. I'm not asking you to skin yourself alive. It's get up early and do some stuff that's going to make you better. Like, when did we get so comfortable that that became impossible? I think people are scared of not getting enough sleep. I think people are scared of the grind. I think people are scared of, 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 of the path to be better. It's going to be hard at some point. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a path. Like, it's going to be difficult. We, we want a sweatless solution. We want everything at the, the push of a button. It's like, mm, it doesn't work like that. And you're kidding yourself if, if you think it does. And if your goal setting is predicated around that, don't kid yourself. Like, if your goal setting is is completely based on um, on an Instagram account or on, you know, I want to do this, this, and this, but I don't want to put the effort in. Well, that's cool. Just don't set the goal in the first place, but don't set it. Bitch about not doing it if that's your route to get there. Like you've got to understand there's a trade-off somewhere. If you want something, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be stumbling blocks. There's going to be road. There's going to be roadblocks. Like you're going to need to deal with them. That's fine, and it's fine not dealing with them. But admit that. Admit that. Stop kidding yourself. Stop. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing this and I'm losing ten kilos, but I've put eight back on and now I'm losing. Don't do that, because no one wants to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, people don't want to hear that. It's like, cool, get up, don't moan, don't whine, don't quit. Get up, do your work. Cool. You know, it's it's simple, not easy. Beautiful. Yeah. Wrap. Wrap it up. <laughs>